I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome back to The Artist Business Plan. My name is Alex Mito, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States. As you may know, we're also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing of art. Next to me is my partner, James Milley. James, say hello. Hello. That's James, Superfine's other co-founder and our managing partner. We're here with Stephanie Zimmerman-Black. Stephanie is a content strategist, creator, and marketer, helping artists and creative entrepreneurs authentically tell their stories and reach new audiences. She is the founder of Broad Spectrum, a new creative content studio that will be launching very, very soon. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And we're glad to have you. We want to ask you something to help our audience get to know the real you and also your connection to art. What is the earliest memory you have of art? And did you realize then that you'd be dedicating your life to working with artists and creative professionals? Well, I grew up around art. I I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I have parents who are musicians. And one of the things that they always took us to do was go see orchestra performances, or I spent a lot of time at the Cleveland Museum of Art. So much of my like favorite childhood memories are just being in total awe at the collection that they have at the Cleveland Museum of Art and spending time in the Armor Court. Originally, I thought it was kind of just this like preoccupation with sci-fi and fantasy, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> as I grew older, I started just becoming fascinated with all of the different genres of art and artists and, you know, from making pipe cleaner outlines of Keith Haring works in middle school (laughs) to dabbling for the first time with oil pastels in my art classes in high school. It really became clear to me as I got older, really, that working in art was something that was more of a calling to me than I had realized. I originally started out studying theater and after my first year doing that in college, I quickly realized that that was not for me. <laughs> and so I completely switched and I, and I studied studio art and art history and it was just like truly this wonderful awakening moment and it's been so enriching for me year after year. I love it. I love hearing stories like that. And it, you'd be surprised how many people across different cultures that we've had on this podcast that echo the same experience of, you know, being taken to a public institution. So U.S. government folks, if you're listening out there, keep funding the arts. It's pretty awesome. And you breed incredible creative <laughs> entrepreneurs like Stephanie here. So we're big fans of websites. And we actually just relaunched our Superfine website. So depending on when this airs, that might have been up for a week or two now. But it is very fresh and very new. Really exciting. So everyone should go check it out. Stephanie, I know websites are huge for you too. And for your artists and creative clients, it's something you're really big on with them. Tell us why showing up on your website is such an important tool and why it's more than just your portfolio. Absolutely. Websites are so important. A lot of artists tend to think, oh, I need to have a website because this is something that I have to do. I just have to have a website. But the truth behind the website is it's so this is like your biggest marketing tool, aside from, you know, the funnels that you use to get there, whether that's in-person meeting people or your social media accounts. Your website is where people go for like the good stuff. 
Some people choose to just use their website as their portfolio, like you said, Alex, and that's like a really big missed opportunity because there are so many things that you can do with a website. You can use it as a blog. You can create video content that lives on your website so that people who might not necessarily be able to come visit you for a studio visit can go on your website and look at your reel, your video, and see some behind the scenes footage of you working, you speaking about your art. And all of those things are really great tools for telling your story on why your art and why you are unique. And that's a great way to connect with potential collectors, as well as people who just really love your art and want to keep in touch with you. It's also a place where you can truly like dig in and make your personality really clear through your artist statement, which is really important. If you don't have an artist statement, highly recommend having one. If you have an out-of-date artist statement, highly recommend revisiting it. Sometimes there's a tendency for artists to like writing your biography and writing your artist statement is like a very daunting task because it's a very raw experience of trying to communicate succinctly who you are and why you make art. And for many artists, that's a little scary. What do you say? What's going to resonate with people? Will anybody actually read this? So many factors that go into these pieces of content. Paying attention to those and giving those your attention as pieces of information that will really work for you and really enlighten those people to who you are and and why you create art will ultimately help people connect with you. So that's kind of like, you know, the the content aspect of why you should really have, you know, your website. Maybe you should make some blog content to keep people updated um, on, on what you're doing lately. In addition to what you're doing on your social, you can create your, what, you know, Alex, you and I have talked about this before, mm-hmm. the content umbrella. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where you create, you know, one big meaty piece of content and then break it off into different umbrellas. Um, or uh, to different spokes, rather, what comes off of an umbrella spokes, of course. <laughs> Famously. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a spider web of content where you've got the one piece, one big piece in the middle, and then you can kind of just break it off into smaller chunks. You can totally do that on your website with blog content as well. Some people like to put up what they're currently reading. If that's what's influencing your work, that's like a really easy thing to write about and just give people a little taste of what's going on behind the scenes. The other huge thing that many artists could possibly benefit from, it it depends on the kind of art that you make, but I always like to recommend this, is incorporating some kind of online shop onto your website. And I know that Superfine will be venturing into this territory potentially, but online shops or places just for people to go online and buy your work are excellent opportunities to not only increase your revenue, but also increase your reach. So there are a lot of different websites that artists go to to produce work, whether that's um, creating prints or putting your artwork on phone cases or tote bags, things like that. There's a lot of work that goes into producing the type of, of artwork that you create, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or a graphic designer. The thought of, oh, I can't have an online shop because I don't have any way to produce this. That is something that there are many websites out there like Redbubble, Some people use Society6 that take that pressure off of you. But one of the things that you can do is link to that page from your website. So if somebody sees your work and they say, wow, I really, really like that, but maybe they're not in a place where they have a budget to, you know, spend on your work, whatever your price point may be, it's always great to have those lower price point options where people can start to acquire your work in any way that they can. And that's also a great long-term sales plan as well. Somebody who buys your work on 
a print or on a phone case might eventually one day say, you know what, I'm really ready now to purchase an original piece of art from this artist who I've been admiring for so long. And that's a really great accomplishment and it's a great marketing tool. So all of that stuff kind of works together. I like what you said at the beginning, which was, this is where people go for the good stuff. This is not just a parking spot on the internet. This is where they go to really learn who you are. I'm always surprised that, you know, you're talking about blogs, Stephanie, how few artists blog, but we're spending our time writing on social media. We're writing to friends, sending emails, applying for grants, applying to art fairs, all these things. There's plenty of writing involved. And why not channel that into somewhere creative and interesting where your audience can get to know you a little better. It's such an amazing opportunity. I love it. Absolutely. Blogs can be visually driven as well. So, you know, if you're um, a person of few words, but you'd like to start a blog and you know, your biggest roadblock is, I have no idea what to write. You can always just start by uploading some process works of what you're doing and just tell people literally what you're doing. Here's a photo of me mixing new oils for this series that I've started. I'm using cerulean and creating this. You you can describe what you're doing. Like that's something that's super easy. It's an easy way to start blogging. There's no rules. Just get started. I mean, when you, as you get good at it, you're going to start to want to improve and then you might find some rules. But to start, don't create those roadblocks. I also love what you said about uh, writing your artist statement, Stephanie. I, I consider myself a writer and every time I write something and I look at it like a month later or two months later, I'm like, oh my God. And I change like half of it. And that's normal and that's okay. And if you were to ask Oscar Wilde or some famous writer, if he would have changed his work a couple of years later, the answer would probably be yes. So don't stress about getting it started, but also don't be afraid of updating as you change, as your perspective changes. And it's totally fine. There's no one is ever going to fault you for that. Absolutely. Um, and your artist statement should change, Yeah, you know, depending on what you're working on, where you are in your life. I mean, the seasons of your life certainly affect how you create art. So anytime the way that you create art or that your philosophy on art changes, you should definitely feel free to make updates to your artist statement. You should also feel free to ask somebody, whether it's a professional or a friend or a fellow artist to take a look at it. There's no shame in that. This always brings to mind to me, uh, Willem de Kooning's, was it his dealer or was his, his gallerist would have to go into his studio and take paintings away because Willem de Kooning would not stop working on them. Oh my he gosh. like invented all of it, these different tactics so that the oil paints wouldn't, I mean, already oil paints take a really long time to dry, but he would invent all these ways to make it last even longer so that he could go in and rework it. And, you know, there's the, this imprints of the newspaper on his paintings. I mean, writing is no different. And as a writer, I do this all the time too, even on my own biography, on my own website, I'm always going in and saying, okay, I need to change that now. <laughs> um, all of these things are works in progress because we are works in progress. So it's much like, again, creating a piece of art. It's, there's just a time when you have to release that into the world, whether or not you feel that it's finished. Yeah. It's an iterative process for sure. <laughs> Cool. So now I'm going to kind of spill the beans on something that I didn't mention at the beginning of this. Some of you might already know, but Stephanie is actually the brains behind our masterful, super fine email newsletters, which many of you probably get, which might be why you're here listening to this podcast right now. So Stephanie, why is email marketing so important for artists? And what are two of the things artists need to know about managing an email list? Email marketing is so important. It's kind of like the sleeper hit of marketing tactics. And 
if it helps, because I know that some creatives think of marketing as a dirty word, you can use it as like your personal letter to the people who are on your list, whether that's 50 people or 5,000 people. Any size email list is a good size email list if they're people who are invested in you. So those are people who found you online and they signed up online on your website through your email newsletter signup form, or they are people who have come across your work at an art fair or at a gallery show or through your Instagram or your social media. The people who sign up for those lists are invested in you. And that's because when somebody sends you an email or when you sign up for somebody to invite you onto their email list, you are inviting them into your inbox. It's kind of like giving somebody your phone number. (laughs) Yeah. Um, More personal. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) How many people do you like give your address to send you a letter? So there are people who are going to want updates from you. They want to know what you're up to. You know, following somebody on social media is so casual. I follow like 1500 people on Instagram. I don't see half of their profiles. But when I sign up for somebody's email newsletter, all of those emails are going to my inbox. So that's like a huge step getting, it's also like, there's a huge conversion rate. If we're going to talk about like, you know, the data behind email newsletters, the conversion rate for people to go through and like make a sale on email is real. It's really high. Like people have like a high purchase intent um, when it comes to email marketing. So this is a great way if you like release a new series of paintings and you send an email newsletter out to your subscribers, tell them how to contact you (laughs) to make a purchase or, you know, say, ask me for pricing and I'll send it to you. Better yet, have your shop set up on your website and send them straight there so they can buy immediately. That's right. Exactly. Make it, you make it as easy as possible for people to buy things. So, you know, and email marketing, in addition to being a great sales tool, making your content work for you, you know, we talked about creating blog But if you just like start writing a blog and it exists on the internet, but nobody, you're not telling anybody about it, it's not really going to go like, you know, you want to make it worth your time. So if you write a blog and you have an email newsletter, then you can write on your email newsletter, Hey everybody, I just released this new blog, like go check it out. And chances are you're going to get a decent number of people clicking from your email newsletter onto your blog, which goes onto your website, which hopefully has an online shop. And it's this whole funnel of actions that people can take to interact with your art and then hopefully for you to close some sales. Two things that people should know about email marketing. You should always have a call to action. So never send an email that doesn't have some kind of button or link for people to click that takes them to the next step. So back to what I was talking about before with visiting your online shop, visiting your blog, there should always be some kind of intention for your email newsletter. You know, it's really nice when you get personal communications from people and they're just saying, hey, how are you? (laughs) But when you're an artist and you have a clear goal behind your email list, you want to make sure that when people open that email, they're automatically funneled into doing the thing that you would like them to do, which is click on your newsletter or click on the uh, call to action button. The other thing too is the intention of the email has to be clear within the email. So, you know, you've you've got the purpose of the email. I'm sending this email so that people will go to my blog. But if you send people an email newsletter and the subject line is, hello from Hawaii, I'm on vacation. First of all, that has nothing to do with your artwork, unless it does, in which case, you know, talk with a content specialist about how to make that clear. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, it needs to be clear within the subject of the email, within the body of the email, the body text, why you're sending them that communication. So 
hey, everyone, new blog post up on, on my site is the subject of the email, perhaps. And then the body of the email gives people a little taste of what that might be. And then underneath that, you've got your call to action button. So making it clear, making it intentional are probably, I would say, the two things that people really need for their emails. Yeah. And I would totally agree. I mean, it's, it's not just artists, but any professionals, creatives, I mean, any business owner, really. These are things that people miss a lot of the time, just having a call to action, having a natural next step for people, whether that's to read and engage with some content like a blog or watch a video or to go to your shop. I mean, any of those actions, just having that in your newsletter is so, so, so important. The second thing, relevancy, just being relevant to why people are opening it and that what is written in there matches up with the subject line and what they click to matches up with it too. There really aren't like tricks to digital marketing. Everyone's always like, what if you do this one crazy thing? It's like, yeah, that might work once. But really, you know, just giving people what they're looking for, matching it up. Like you said, I think that's just so, so important. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So this will be a nice seg actually. So it wouldn't really be an artist business plan episode if we didn't talk social media. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, <laughs> you know a lot about this. We talked about, you know, your Instagram, people you follow. What is the best time for artists to post when and why? Like what are, what are these like who, what, when, where, whys of posting on Instagram? Absolutely. So there's this really fun tool on Instagram. If you have a creator profile or business profile, which Every artist out there should switch over their Instagram profile to a creator profile right away. You don't have to do very much. It's a little setting there. You can, you know, go on YouTube and type in how to create a creator account on Instagram. What it does is it immediately gives you access to analytics. Hmm. And in those analytics includes information like what's the age breakdown? What's the audience breakdown for the people who follow you? And in that set of data is also what times are they the most active on social media? and on Instagram specifically. And that will help you understand what the window is for when you should post your content. For a lot of people, the window ends up being something like 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. It kind of just follows the pattern of human behavior. You know, we like got settled into our work day and, you know, we're two hours in and now we're a little bored. So we scroll through Instagram. Or we just took a lunch break and we're just jonesing for something to look at. You know, you'll be able to find out exactly what window your followers are the most active when you access that analytics tool. When it comes to what kind of content to post during those time periods, people are really looking for, as a general rule, people are looking for content that is inspirational. And they're also looking for content that is stimulating and visually pleasing. So this could be anything from a really nicely styled install shot of your work in your home or in your studio. It could be a detail shot of a piece of art that you are working on. It could be a throwback to a past exhibition that you were in. If you've got some really nice install shots from the gallerist or from the organizer of the show, something that's visually pleasing and engaging in that way. People love art because they love things that are intriguing and and beautiful Mm -hmm. to look at or interesting to look at. It doesn't even have to be beautiful. Like what is unique about it? You know, posting things that are true to you. So that doesn't mean like adjusting your artwork so that it seems to fit into the mold of what, you know, like super popular Instagram accounts or something. There's certainly an aesthetic there, but the reason that you're on that account is to show off what you're doing and to reach people who are interested in you and your particular type of artwork. A lot of this too is found through trial and error. If you post something and it, you know, you posted at 8 p.m. and it's 
a really dark photo of a corner of your studio, <laughs> you're probably not going to get a ton of engagement on it because people crickets. are going to be like, what is this? Yeah, total crickets <laughs> in the audience. But if a collector of yours sends you a photo of your work in situ in their space and it's beautiful, it's nicely lit, you know, you have a story behind the creating of the artwork, if the collector is okay with you sharing it, that's something that's like perfect for artists and creators to share on their page. Because not only does it show, hey, I'm active, I'm creating artwork, I do commissions, but also people love my work and this is what it looks like. Like this could be you. Imagine this work in your own home. So you're, you're kind of giving people that, that aspiration and inspiration at the same time. Yeah, you're actually the first person on the podcast so far who's brought that up. And I think it's great to actually ask your collectors for images of your work in situ at their home. And you can make, if you can get the little buttons where the, the story highlights go, mm-hmm. you can make a story highlight of just your work in collectors' homes. It may only be like one or two to start, but every time you get a collector that buys, you can add it to there. And then it gives a social proof because when I get to your Instagram page and I really like your work, I can click this little thing that says collectors. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like 10, 20, 30, 40 people have bought your work. Exactly. Well, I guess I got to hurry up and get some. Um, and it shows that you're invested in your yeah. collectors too. Like, you know, it's it's a way of expressing gratitude in a in right. a way that they're getting a thank you note is really nice. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when somebody puts you on their social media page, you're like, wow, I'm a superstar. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it just makes people feel good. And it mm-hmm. gives potential collectors that notion that they're going to get this like adrenaline rush of like, I'm going to be special, not only because I have this yeah. artwork, but because this artist recognized me for like doing that. I mean, and vice versa, right. you know, when collectors post about art that they have, artists get super stoked about that too. So it, it's kind of just like this mutual relationship of just supporting people and, and getting people excited about that work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I can say from experience, kind of the, the opposite of that, where I've had a couple works that we've bought from like kind of bigger named artists, but like, you know, they're pretty pricey and kind of a big deal. And I tag those artists or, or try to like share it with them and I don't get any response. It kind of like, I'm like not as excited. Like I still love the work, but I want to be like part of their story. And that's partly yeah. why you invest in artwork. It's not just to like, you know, turn a profit a few years down the road and sell it. It's really to invest in an artist's story. So mm-hmm. when you, as the artist, bring someone into your story, literally on Instagram, but also just your actual story, it's just, it's very powerful. I think that's an awesome, awesome idea. So Stephanie, talking about Instagram, sometimes we feel like we live on Instagram. If I'm an artist, how do I get the most out of Instagram and other social media without giving all of my time and energy to it and basically selling my soul to my iPhone? Alex, you are absolutely right in that it is like, the number one issue that people have, I was just watching the social dilemma. So I'm like also exercising <laughs> too. And also just like being a professional on social media. It's like the first couple of clients that I had, I had to train myself to not be constantly like checking their likes and like checking their engagement because you're going to go nuts. One of the easiest ways and one of the simplest ways that I cannot recommend enough. And I recommend this to all of my clients is to either download a free version or invest in like a lower tier paid version of a content management app like Planoli. Later is great. There are many of them and some of them are geared more towards businesses like Sprout Social. But for all of my artists who are just starting out with this, I always recommend Planoli because it's just the easiest. Can you you say that name one more time, Stephanie? What is it? It's Planoli. Planoli. Okay. That'll be in the show notes. And also I've heard good things about later too. So we'll we'll put them Mm -hmm. both in the show notes. Later is a little more souped up version of, of Planoli, but they both have free versions that people can utilize. 
But essentially, it's a tool where you can load up a bunch of images and schedule them to post with captions. And it takes a huge burden off of your plate of having to constantly be staring at your Instagram thinking, what am I going to post? When am I going to post it? I need to remember to do, you know, I'm supposed to post between 11 and four. Like these apps take all of that stress away from you by giving you the opportunity, put your content into the app, schedule it, and then like forget about it for a week. When I say forget about it, I mean, forget about posting because there's still a huge chunk of Mm -hmm. being active on social media or like having some kind of successful social media presence that requires you to be active and engaging with people organically. The organic aspect of this is finding people who uh, have liked posts that are in like, you know, let's say you're an abstract artist. And so you search for like hashtag hashtag abstract art. So you want to find people who have liked those posts and, you know, engage with them too. You also want to engage with people who have commented on your posts. If somebody put, you know, comments on a recent post that you've done, oh my gosh, I love your work. This reminds me of my mom. Don't be like, (laughs) don't look at your phone and say, hmm, that's weird. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you should like it at least to acknowledge that they've commented on your post and that, or you could say something like, that's so cool. Thanks for commenting. Just a little thing like that. It doesn't have to be like a super thoughtful response unless you feel moved to do so. Those are kind of like the meat and bones of it. Like, don't let it take over your life. And when you engage with things, first of all, I personally have Instagram notifications turned off on my phone. That doesn't stop me from checking it like 25 times a day, but... (laughs) What it does do is it kind of like lets me take a little more lead in like when I'm going to go on and look at it. Another thing that I would suggest in addition to scheduling your posts in advance is to set aside, like literally set a timer for yourself and block out time during the day to do your engagement on social media. So liking people's posts, commenting on people's posts, responding to comments, responding to direct messages, like a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour a day. This is, I mean, and we can't forget too, like this is work for people who are treating their social media as a marketing tool. This is work for you. So it's okay to block out an hour to be on social media because it's for your business. So, you know, set aside just a certain period of time where like what your goal is, is to engage with people. And then once that time is done, you can stop and you can put your phone down. You can uninstall Instagram from your phone if you want. Some people choose to do that, but, you know, blocking off that time to do it and making it an intentional period. So that you're not constantly, you know, going on, trying to see how many people are liking it, responding to comments one by one, just batch your time. Like you batch your time in the studio. Cool. So Stephanie, let's bring it home. Let's do, you know, one final bit of advice here for the artists who are listening. What would you tell an artist who's out there considering diving deeper into their content strategy? One of the things that I like to do with my clients or any artists that I'm working with is to, first of all, ask them what their goal is. So when you are creating content or you're looking to redo your artist statement or your biography, there's always a why. And this can boil down to intention. You could call it your mission or you don't need to philosophize on it at all. It's just like, why am I doing this is the question. So figure out what your why is. And then from there, you can kind of determine what effort you're going to put into different aspects of your content creation. Is your why that you want people to go to your website more because you want people to buy more of your artwork? Then maybe you need to invest some more time in setting up your online shop, or maybe you need to invest some time into creating a blog that will bring people over to your site. I always recommend speaking with other artists and speaking with other people who have content that you admire 
there's absolutely no shame in looking at what other people are doing and asking them, hey, how did that work out for you? Or how did you get there? We all learn this way, whether we like to admit it or not, we all learn from other people. And so I would say, if you see somebody who inspires you, strike up a conversation and ask them, how did that work for you? <laughs> I love it. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, and I think this is the last thing I'm going to say about it, is don't be afraid of sounding like you don't know what you're talking, you know, just, just like write freestyle for the first couple of minutes or throw spaghetti noodles at the wall, create a mood board for yourself, create a folder where you dump all your ideas. When we let things sit and, and we know this as creatives, when you let things kind of swim around in your head for too long, they will never come out because you've overprocessed them. You've overthought them and you've convinced yourself that the idea isn't good enough or that it's not going to work. But the truth is, and you know, you know, this is entrepreneurs as well. If you let that mind frame take over, it's not going to happen. So it's, you know, it's like putting the pencil to the paper. You just have mm-hmm. to get started. So artist, find your why and then talk to other people and don't be afraid to throw some spaghetti at the wall. I love it. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much. To all of you business artists out there, Stephanie's been here with us today, dropping absolute advice bombs. You're going to want to go back and take notes and also read the show notes thoroughly. And if you do want to connect with Stephanie, and you should for a consultation and learn more about what she can offer you in terms of a killer content strategy, you're going to want to give her a shout. You can follow her and shoot her a DM on Instagram at Stephanie Zim Black. It'll be in the show notes. And you can also follow her new content studio at broadspectrum underscore on Instagram. Also will be in the show notes. You can also visit www.stephaniezimmermanblack.com to listen to the podcast and find more ways to connect with and work with Stephanie to up your content game. As always, remember that we're Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. And if you want to give us a quick hello or learn more about how to apply for or exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs around the US, you can drop us a line via email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. And as always, I'd like to end the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Marketing is no longer about the stuff that you make, but about the stories you tell. That's Seth Godin, author, entrepreneur, marketer, and public speaker. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for being here with us today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank Um, you. You're welcome. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there, and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at Superfine Art Fair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.